This is Six Rings. The dynasty continues. And football things. The X, the Z, vertical routes. I love football, man. With your host, Andy Hart. Well, Andy Hart is a football genius. I'm not going to pretend I sit down and watch the All-22. Next question, Andy Hart, please. Nick Fitzy Stevens. Is that Fitzy with you this morning? Absolutely not, Fitzy. This just in, I'm dead inside. And Chris Shine. Derek Carr, however, is a guy I would ride tonight. I think Matt Patricia's a boob. Pat Pals and Foxborough friends, we welcome you to the latest and always greatest edition of the Six Rings and Football Things podcast, a presentation of WEEI-FM, WEEI.com, and Odyssey Sports. I'm your old pal, Nick Fitzy-Stevens here, alongside my guy, primetime, shime time himself, Chris Shime. What up, dog? What's up, Fitzy? How you doing, bud? It's great to have you back. We have not potted in some time. It's always good to be seen and this time heard as well. You and I have not had a chance to pod ensemble, if you will, because uh, you were away and then I was away. So Andy and I did it and then you and Andy did it. And now, of course, it's you and me together again. Just the two Two of us. us. We can make it if we try. Just just the the two two of us. us. He's a Mac Hayden guy. Put him, put him, (laughs) put him. Because Andy Hart right now, the third man on the program, is currently on the air helping out with the Jimmy Fun Telethon, standing in for Lou Merloni on the afternoon show. And he's going to be doing FM radio all week, so it'll be me and the Shime guy. If you have any questions for us, any comments, anything you would like to share, as always, please, of course, rate, review, subscribe, share the pod, tell your friends. You can hit us up on the socials, at FitzyGFY, at Shime Time, and, of course, at Six Rings Pod. Six rings pod at gmail.com for further inquiry. Shime, we open up today's podcast in the middle of, or dare I say, the throes of the oh. final session of joint practices. Yes. This 2022 preseason. The Patriots are currently in Henderson, Nevada, where they are undergoing joint practices with a Sorry, I'm contractually obligated to say it that way. So have to do it. I'll, it's just like with the biz. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like if you say spider wide to banana, like you have to say it in a bad <laughs> Gruden voice. You have to say here it is like Chris Berman's. You know, I know you're not allowed to say Michael Buffer things. Otherwise, you'll be sued. But it's written. <laughs> it's true. Into all sports media contracts that you have to say here it is like Chris Berman. I'm done. I I, okay. uh, I loved Chris Berman growing up. He's one of the reasons I am in this business. So there you go. Look at that. Uh, yeah, uh, true. I mean, who, who doesn't the man was an absolute living legend. And the fact that they brought back, uh, him and now Booger McFarlane doing NFL primetime. So we could watch highlights with nobody circles, the wagons, like the Buffalo bills and all and the nicknames and okay. So, uh, Pat's and the Las Vegas football team are currently having joint practices. Of course, everybody knows that that's Patriots West now. Josh McDaniels, Dave Ziegler, Jared Stidham, Jakob Johnson, mm-hmm. um, Brandon Bolden at all. And uh, I, th- I think this was probably not just the joint practice session, but the preseason week that most Patriots faithful, most Foxborough faithful were looking forward to shine. Because if anyone's going to know what the Patriots do, even if they are in the midst, even if they are between and betwixt, if you will, changing up the scheme, altering their offensive play calls, new coordinators or coordinator Rushmore triumvirate or committee, if you will, nobody would know the team better than the guy who off and on has been the offensive coordinator for the better part of close to two decades since Charlie Weiss left with a 
brief stint uh, or a splash of Billy O'Brien for a couple of years at the turn of the previous decade, then Josh McDaniels and company. Mm-hmm. And of course, the Raiders, who are a team you and I are in on as a sneaky playoff value, Very much so. not to mention a lot of tasty props on the board as well. I think they would present a great challenge for the Patriots, as well as maybe they would showcase on the defensive side of the ball how far this defense that's been drawing praise for its speed, its feistiness, and its playmaking ability the last couple of weeks has gone. So, Shime, I know prior to the pod, you were monitoring the socials, checking out the word from Indeed. the beat guys, the Lazas, the Badads, and everyone else, the Callahans that are out there. Uh, how's it going so far on day one of the joint practices? Ah, uh, to sum it up in a couple words for you, Fitzy, not great. Um, it's it's been a tough. It's a tough day. I'm good. Uh, yeah, a tough day. One of joint practices. Reverse uh, and- terrific. Compared to, you know, you saw the Carolina Panthers last week who are just a a poorly run, lacking in talent kind of football team. I mean, they're a second-rate football team. No, the Raiders are neither of those things. No, Carolina is not a team I would say would be worthy of potential relegation if I got it my way to be able to run the NFL and I would send a team to the USFL or the XFL, et cetera, or the other FL if, you know, we, we could run things that way. But they're not terrific. They're no. far from elite, and I didn't think they presented go. much of a challenge outside of having a my blank is bigger than yours contest with all of those stupid joint practice Foxborough Fight Club scuffles last week. And so you're walking into an area where Belichick already commented on how beautiful the practice facilities are. This team, this Raiders team, is immensely talented, and uh, you saw that today in in the joint practices. Jalen Mills went 0 for 3, three straight times to against Devontae Adams, and Devontae I mean, it's it's hard, right? Because Devontae Adams might be arguably the best receiver in football, and he is amazing. And I, I think people mm-hmm. are underrating how good of a season he's going to have with Derek Carr. Um, but he is just like he made a catch. Evan Lazar tweeted this out where he made this like ridiculous, ridiculous end zone grab. And it's just like he's just He's just one of the best in the game. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter which corner was on him. They were probably going to fail. And I think one of the things we've kind of come to consensus on is that the strength of this Patriots team is going to be the D line. Unfortunately mm-hmm. for them, if Derek Carr has the option to throw to Devontae Adams or Hunter Renfro within two seconds of receiving the ball, it doesn't matter how good the defensive line is because the ball is going to be out of his hands. And that's kind of where I think. The major issue lies right now with the Patriots is that still that secondary, that linebacking core, as we've kind of alluded to for a while. And the Patriots offense struggled a little bit today. They had some early success. I know Mac Jones hit Devontae Parker for a touchdown pass, but um, they also really didn't have a ton of positive plays. When you're looking at it at, at, from a you know hundred foot view, they had a lot of negative plays today, including an interception. And so. Yep. They have a lot of work to do uh, still at this point. We are now gearing up for preseason game number three, and the offense needs a lot of work. Friday night, 8.15 p.m. Eastern, will be the third and final pretend season game for the Patriots against the Las Vegas football squad. Notice I didn't say, hey, so we have a couple days to get ready for that. Now, I'll take some positives away from this before I sort through some of the other tweets that I noticed about how the practice went seven on sevens and 11 on 11s. A, if you're going to get your lunch eaten in front of you, if you're going to get cooked or you're going to get pantsed in front of the junior high school, it best be done 
by a good team and it best be done now so you see how far you have to go, what it is you need to shore up, and where you need to improve. I don't think the Patriots need to improve as much defensively as they need to improve offensively because, as Andy Hart and I have pointed out a couple times, having watched the pretend season games and done some immediate reactionary post-pretend season game podcast, the front seven might actually have more teeth and more nasty to it than we had originally anticipated, and that may help the cornerbacks who are young, small, but quick with a little twitch, develop in time, and we all believe the safety room is going to be one of, if not maybe the greatest strength of the all 53 for the 2022 Patriots and iron sharpens iron, right? That's the old adage. So if Jalen Mills is going to have to come even further in being a number one corner, why not go up against the guy with the the best best moves, the best hands. And honestly, the thing I've always admired most that people don't talk about with Devontae Adams, his body control in the air is Ridiculous. Like and it is, I don't think it doesn't even make credit. any sense. He's the best 50-50 ball guy in the NFL, and he is so far from the tallest or the biggest bodied receiver. It's unbelievable what and this guy can do. People don't give him credit for how good of routes he runs. Lazar tweeted out today: out of all the training camp practice I've, practices I've seen since 2018, Devontae Adams today was the best for any receiver I've ever seen. The things he was doing is downright ridiculous. So Five like, years, this man, a well-respected yeah. member of the local media and now a staff writer and voice for Patriots and Patriots.com, is telling you straight up, he works for the team that he's watching get beaten in practice, and he's telling you this guy is the best receiver that he has ever seen. In like five even seasons. 2014, Darrell Rivas was going to have a hard time with Devontae Adams today. Like that's the kind of level Devontae is at right now, mm-hmm. um, and I think that speaks more to him than it does about the Patriots defense. Right? I, I just I. I, I don't want to bash them because they are getting torched by arguably the best receiver on the planet. I just don't, I don't think that's fair. And again, in practices and, and in, you know, 11 on 11s that are, you know, not exactly game scenarios. So exactly. I, I can't, I can't do, completely demolish them, but at the same time, the Patriots are going to see guys like they had the regular season. So they need to be prepared for when that happens. I heard there was a lot of, for the Patriots in seven on sevens, a lot of stuff, stuff, sack, and a lot of dink, dunk, and out. Nothing too impressive early on. Uh, some of the falls, including Lazar at others, said that the Patriots got better as the practice progressed. A couple of notes, since obviously we were not able to make it out to Vegas, but fortunately we have the Lazars, the Dussos, the Callahans, and more out there giving us fresh perspective from these coordinated practices, which now finally shine. At least we're seeing some benefit as opposed to wondering if you're going to end up on world star or barstool as opposed to patriots.com or nfl.com after those idiotic practices against Matt fool and the Carolina Panthers. Um, Evan Lazar also said good pressures today from Judon Uche and Bentley. Uh, nice to see also the Patriots getting back to full health. You had Hunter Henry back out there, Isaiah Wynn, And I love reading that Jabril peppers is getting more involved on his defense, his energy, his gameplay and his speed is definitely adding a little something to the back end, but it all goes back to this. And I wanted to just quickly touch on this before we make our move to the next segment. And in that next segment, we're going to talk about what we feel are the greatest needs. The Patriots can try and address on roster cutdown day, where maybe you pick up somebody else's discarded players or even pull off a preseason trade. The Taekwon Thornton injury and all of this, uh, Belichickian Patriots, North Korea labor camp, nonsense with uh my guy Kendrick Bourne as well 
this is not the time. This is not the time for that fooling around with Bourne on the Belichick front. It's a little exhausting now. Bill gets compliments thrown at him from McDaniels and Ziegler. He's like, yeah, that's great. But, uh, you know, we're on in 2022. We haven't done anything this year. Like, Bill, would you just shut up and accept the compliments for God's <laughs> sakes? Would you leave Kendrick Bourne alone? He's a fan favorite. His energy, it's uh, it's it's infectious. It, it The team gets by on that kind of stuff. It makes the team happy. It makes the fans happy. Don't put the guy down because he talks a little bit. Don't give Mac Jones talking to He doesn't have the equipment right, and he throws haymakers at a practice to protect his teammates. And, you know, and also don't get on Mac's ass just because he says, like, you know, he and Joe Judge are in a collaborative process. Everything top down is so, uh, you know, like Catholic school nun wrapping you across the the knuckles forever speaking out of turn. It's ridiculous. The, the authoritarian control that they exercise over these guys, you need their personality, you need their energy, and you need their speed. And now, to the first point, you've lost Tyquan Thornton for half of the season. Who in the world is going to stretch this field and open things up for an offense that, as we've heard, is going to rely more on speed, the ability to try and generate it, or the deep ball, and that was primarily going to come from Tyquan Thornton. These are big problems that they have right smack dab in the middle of a rough training camp. Yeah, I was I, I on the Beck You Up Boston pod with Mutt. I went into like a two minute rant on how I'm growing very tired of Belichick, and my, my thank you. It, I can continue to grow more and more weary with his displays of. Uh, just it's it's mon it's gross it's monotonous it's like what are we doing bill like what stop it stop being a, a jerk and a dick to everybody like say like answer some questions and and figure like help everybody understand what the hell's going on because right now your offense sucks mac jones today according to andrew callahan was seven of 17 with an interception that's not good no. <laughs> against the raiders good. can i just yes. tell the audience listening right now that the raiders do not have a very good secondary they no, do not have a very good – their realize, linebacking core is very average. They have a good pass rush with Max Crosby and Chandler Jones. With a good front they, four, and that's about and they it. they do not have a good secondary in any way, shape, or form. So if Mac has a second and a half to breathe or survey the field, he should be able to get some work done. So if he's going 7 of 17 against an inferior secondary, while your secondary, which has been trending upward the last couple of weeks, is getting carved up like a butterball turkey by Devontae Adams, Derek Carr, and company, not great. Not no, great. Not great, Bob. Like, that's awful. It's horrendous. And so at some point, he needs to answer for all of the things we've been seeing. And, and, and sure. Belichick sure. answer for something. Exactly. <laughs> but, the, and that's, and that's my big, I think that's my biggest issue. And it's one of the reasons I have been so negative is because I'm just, I am bombarded with, well, he's the greatest coach of all time. Cool. What have you done for me lately? How much, what, it, like, what have you done in the last three years since Tom Brady left? or two years, whatever it is now, what, like what have we established? And now not only that, your, your offensive coordinator, who, as you said, has been here for the better part of the last two decades is now gone and a head coach of the team you're currently practicing against. And you have Matt Patricia calling plays for you. What kind of boobery is this? I don't understand. We're running like a second rate organization, like urban Myers in charge now, all of a sudden, and everybody's okay with it. And it's, and, and it's becoming infuriating and upsetting. No, we're not not okay with it, Shime. I don't mean to step on your words, but well, a lot of people most, are. Most people aren't off. okay. Well, there's the, the in Bill We Trust crowd, which I'm a member of, by the way. I am a card carrying member of the sure thank, are. hashtag thank you, Belichick, and in Bill Hong We Kong. Trust Club. And at the same time, now I'm getting exhausted by this. And anytime I ever dare question something or make a mention 
uh, in social media, Twitter, which isn't real life and is fake nonsense and fake news in the first place. People go like, oh, pants wedding season. Oh, apparently you haven't seen what Belichick's done. It's a rope a dope, you dummy. Why don't we wait till the season starts? Like, okay, sure. I like some of the players he has, and I think he still is the greatest football mind of all time. But why why do things need to be done this particular way? And they how don't. come the way they everyone don't. else looks at players and the way everyone else puts their team together and the way everyone else does stuff works for everyone else, but it's not good enough around here. And when you not don't express doubt, Shime, but when you just when you just ex, when you just show a little curiosity, when you just sort of wonder, like, hi, Bill. Um since there is a giant shroud of secrecy in a curtain of, uh, shall we, uh, uh, expositional darkness over the organization, uh, fundamentally preventing any and all of us from understanding what's going on. Could you just maybe explain it? Cause you know, we tell fans things, then fans talk to each other about it's stuff, whatever, what and we get nothing and with- we get nothing. And then Mac Jones is getting tired of it. And Kendrick Bourne and other players are secretly, and I've, I've heard stuff and I've read things in DMS from people where it's like, yeah, there's players that aren't terribly like, they seem to understandably not be not thrilled about some of this stuff. We how come him, he can't like put his finger up in the air and be like, ah, you know what? Uh, maybe we should do things a little different right now. We heard him basically verbally undress Phil Perry, who's one of the nicest guys Phil, in what? the media. Well, what I mean, we heard him weeks ago, and he was Phil right. was like, Bill, to be completely honest, just we don't really understand what's going on, and that's why we keep asking about the play calling, and we want some clarity. And he's like, Great, you want clarity? Like, great, good for you. And it's like it's like what what are we doing, Bill? Like why are, why do you need to be such a jackass to the guy who's being as polite as he possibly can be in approaching this question? And it's a question that literally everyone in New England, outside of like the blind, diehard, smoke-filled fans, want to know. Literally everyone are just like, what's the deal with play calling? Like why Matt Patricia or, cause at the time it hadn't really been established. It seems more established now, but at that time it hadn't been. And, and it, it, you can make these things go away with very simple comments that still don't give out a ton of information. Correct. He refuses to instead he insists on antagonizing everybody else. And to me, it's just like, I'm growing tired of it. I, I'm weary of it. I, oh, and I don't want to be tired of it either because a football is my favorite sport Amen. It's what we do for a living and see it's a nest. It's a welcome distraction from the rest of everything. And when your favorite football team is frustrating you like this and seemingly going about doing things in that, as I've used time and again, this off season shine, the obtusely Belichickian fashion, it grows oh, a little, beyond it, obtuse it now. grows. Yeah, it grows a little, it grows a little wearisome. So I can understand why there would be frustration there. And I tell you this, if Friday night, Mac Jones and company take their lickings this week, and they turn it around and he goes on like does two drives and he goes like nine for 11 for 105 yards and two touchdowns. I'll be the first person to like whip my IPA out the window and toss a big old thing of Mike and Ike's against the, like I'll toss my <laughs> snacks, candy and popcorn. will be flying everywhere. Cause I'll be like, there it is. I love it. It's all been leading to this. But at the same time, if they get out there Friday night, and have a stumble bumble again like they did in the first couple series against the Panthers. Six plays, three yards, two punts, one incredibly frustrated team and or fan base. I don't, I'm not going to lie to you. Part of me will kind of almost want to see the Raiders go up like 21 nothing in the first quarter. Just so we can all then hear it pile on more and you know that they'll have to go back to the bunker and they'll have 16 days to kick off to get their S in order. I, I can't believe I'm even saying this out loud, but it's healthy here on the Six Rings podcast to vent 
Yes. Uh, amen. I am here for all your venting. And on a uh, somewhat relevant note, um, the, the, if there are any degenerates out there that happen to also listen to this podcast, uh, the Raiders are currently one and a half point favorites on Friday night. Uh, I have the money line at minus 125. I made that bet when I was driving through Virginia uh, last week um, because Josh McDaniels doesn't lose preseason games and this Patriots offense looks like a dumpster fire. So I was like, and to me, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to place that bet and I'm going to feel very comfortable about it. So if you want to be a degenerate like me and bet on preseason football, there you go. There's no shame in profiting from other people's misfortunes on the football field, preferably as opposed to IRL in real life. Good job, Shime, on that one. I think I know where I'll be putting my money Friday, <laughs> and it is definitely where my mouth has been for the first segment of this podcast. Thanks, guys, for listening once again at Six Rings Pod on the socials, Six Rings Pod at Gmail if you've got a question, comment, concern, and more. Tell your friends we're on Spotify, Apple Pods, and all the other platforms. Moving on on this episode of the Six Rings podcast, Shime, I put out a, as I mentioned in the first segment, uh, Patriots, I believe, need to gussy up, if you will, uh, or fix a couple of areas on this team. And maybe what they'll be able to do is come cut down day, which is, of course, Tuesday, August 30th by 4 p.m. You have to have your roster down to 53 men. At yep. that point, there'll be some IR stashes for people like Tyquan Thornton will have to be on the roster mm -hmm. in order to be placed on temporary injured reserve. So they'll have to get creative like the hopefully they'll hold on to my guy, a little Jordan Humphrey Ooh, little Maybe Jordan for the nice little special team. action. he tore up the special team, special team action. He's been taking reps at tight end and wide receiver. So he's going to find a way onto his football team and they desperately need contributors in all three phases and every last little bit of talent, be it first year or professional that they can find right now. Maybe Hoyer has to take the old, like, all right, you're not on the team for two days till we can rearrange things, stick around, don't worry. They'll get that figured out. But what they might be able to do is pick up some other, uh, you know, one man's trash is another man's 53rd man on a roster, or uh, pick up some discarded players, maybe even engineer a preseason trade. So I put out a Twitter poll. I went to the Twitters and I asked this, if the Patriots pull off a preseason trade, what would you like to see them address? Wide receiver, offensive line, cornerback, or other. Please name and reply. Got a 1,700 votes, Shime. And finishing in first place with 43% was... The wide receivers? Offensive line. Really? See, that surprises me. I... I think that their offensive line, they're kind of piecing things together. I still think it was a waste of a pick on a guard in the first round, but that's neither here nor there. Cole Strange has played pretty well in the preseason. So mm -hmm. ultimately, as of right now, like Andy's right in that if it's kind of like a house of cards, if you pull one out, the whole thing might tumble. But as of right now, the offensive line kind of is what it is. It's going to be mediocre to kind of below average, and it has the potential to get better as the season goes on. I think um, we've seen its depth stretched, if not stressed, during the preseason, seeing the Russies and the Ferences and, and the Kajus and Harans stepping in because they're bubble-wrapping Trent Brown. David Andrews has been banged up. Mike Onwenu was at right guard. Now he's over at right tackle. Part of me kind of hopes that he stays there. And, and, and Isaiah Wynn has been mentioned in potential of... trade talks. Like, yep. It's messier than we thought it would be to this point. But, but also, so is their offensive line. Like it's Coaching they're, structure. They're piecemealing it together, right? Uh -huh. Whereas I think there's other positions that have clear deficiencies. And I'm talking specifically about cornerback and yep. receiver. Like those okay. two in particular to me feel like the biggest needs to address. And you need to find a guy that might get cut or might 
is kind of on the bubble and a team might want to save some money. And that's the guy you should be targeting because I, I just, I, you need a playmaker on offense and you need a playmaker on defense. You have a couple on the defensive line, but secondary as Devonte Adams has shown yep. you uh, is going to, is going to have some tough times. And if you can get a guy who at least has the nose for the football, that might be able to make a couple plays, get a couple interceptions. If you can get the football to go your way, you, you're going to be all right. So in my opinion, you need a playmaker at either receiver or corner. Okay. So cornerback finished second at 34 and a half. So not too terribly far behind offensive line, maybe a furlong or two wide receiver at about 20% and other. Uh, I, I thought offensive, excuse me, rather, I thought wide receiver would finish higher on the heels of the Taekwon Thornton injury and the Kendrick Bourne, whatever the hell that situation is news. <laughs> um, the others that were named in reply uh, the majority of them were, I had a couple linebackers, believe it or not. Um, a lot of people actually said uh, general manager, GM, GM, I'm uh, with him. I, off I, offensive, I offensive coordinator, GM. I love all of these answers. Yeah, I know. I'm glad I, I left it open so people could get creative, snarky, or both in there. And so, I think I think those comments alone indicate to me that a lot of people understand what's going on, right? I don't think... Belichick, Belichick, the coach, is the one that's kind of wearing us down at the moment. Like his speak is sure, but ultimately, when it all what it all boils down to is Belichick, the GM, has done a disservice to Belichick, the coach, and now the coach is left to deal with it. And unfortunately, that makes him an asshole to all of the media members. And so it's just like I think it's just a conglomeration of all of those issues that boil down to the GM. Okay, so let's all right. Let's just engage this hypothetical. Let's entertain this bit of uh, podcastery nonsense for a second. If Belichick, the GM and Belichick, the because, you know, he as he so as he said to the Greg Hill show this week and he said time and again, like he has final say all the decisions run through him. It's like Bill Belichick, general manager, Bill Belichick, personnel manager, Bill Belichick, equipment manager, Bill Belichick, concessions manager, Bill Belichick, offensive coordinator, Bill Belichick, head coach. If Bill Belichick, the GM and Bill Belichick, the head coach. We're separate people. Yep. Do you not think at some point Bill Belichick, the head coach, would go to Robert Kraft and say, I, we might have to move on from Bill Belichick. The GM. I think he would be in a very similar position to what Hyam Bloom is in right now, right? Where he's kind of on this weird hot seat and people are like, what are you doing? You didn't, you didn't sell. You didn't buy. You're kind of on the fence. I don't really understand it. Which Bingo. is why to me, Andy pointed out last week, how Mike Mayock happened to be floating around some of the practices. And That's to me, right. If Belichick all of a sudden says, hey, my buddy Mayock's going to come in and help me with some of the GM duties, I think that's a smart decision. And it doesn't have to be Mayock. It could Wait, be is he going to draft Cleland Farrell for us? Because I don't I, want that. But if he drafts Max Crosby in the fourth, you definitely want that. All right, so good point. Yeah, so it's it, it's some give and take, right? I, I understand that. And it doesn't have to be exactly Mike Mayock. It's just the, the first name that popped into my head knowing Correct. he was at the practice. I like it. I like it. But, but a friend of Belichick who's been around this game for decades and could help in the front office and just take some of the burden off of Bill Belichick in his old age, I think would be a very smart move that he kind of needs to make. But he keeps saying how he wants to be as involved as ever. And he's got all this energy and he's, he's out there yeah, practicing, snapping the ball and he's in the slot and he's playing receiver and then he's coaching and then he's hosing the field down. Like, I don't think so. I think yeah. the ability to not work harder, work smarter is the way Amen. we're all supposed to evolve. And he should do be, your job. He yeah. shouldn't have every job. Like it's that's not, not, it's not do your jobs. Exactly. It's, it's, exactly. Job. it's, it's one. It's yes. Singular. 
This You're is right. not a plural He is going situation. against Singular. his own mantra. First of all, they do not ignore the noise. They hear effing everything. So oh, that's everything. a lie. He hears everything. That, that's a lie. And then on top of it all, it's do your job. Buh. Not do your jobs or do multiple jobs. It's not do everything. It's do your no. job. One. And yes, that one and job is now entailing too, in, too much. And Bill yes. needs to go to Bill. The coach needs to go to Bill, the GM next week and, and say, have a nice little sit down and have a sit down and be like, look, our swing tackle depth is pretty light. Stuber, the kid we drafted in the seventh, isn't working out yet. He's banged up. That looks like a Foxborough flu. We got to figure out also which of these young guards from Hines to Russie, et cetera, we're going to keep. Ference is a dumpster fire covered in barbecue sauce. We got to get like, that's enough. <laughs> um, we're like, so it's been fun. I get it. Like he's your, he's your buddy's kid. He's been here for a while. He has, you know, team wide organizational knowledge, but like, we got to get stronger and we got to get more fundamentally sound. Uh, I would address offensive line via trade or discarded player pickup wide receiver. I don't think you're going to find somebody who like was set to make $6 million and is actually still someone who can contribute that would rise above the, the lot of twos and threes that they have now. And what kind of cornerback are you going to pick up? That's going to be any better than Terrence Mitchell. Uh, I, at least via, uh, cut down day. I haven't heard of any other wide receivers or cornerbacks that could be available for trade outside the Patriots organization. Whereas we heard a few rumblings about maybe born or earlier in the preseason, Nelson Aguilar, both of whom now become priority keeps for the team with the Taekwon Thornton injury. So it, we're in a weird spot and, and, and I'm kind of looking around I don't see a ton of guys that are being rumored to be traded, right? Like the, the rumors that I've heard are uh, Kenyon Drake is either getting released or traded, which is a big swing and a miss by you and me from the preseason here, thinking that he might have a big touchdown season. Apparently Josh McDaniels wants more Brandon Bolden on his field, which is a mistake in and of itself. But regardless, and Amir Abdul, I, thought, I think they have Amir, well, Amir Abdul Abdullah. That's right yeah. for the third down back. Um, and then on top of that, and then I hear, and then it's the Isaiah Wynn stuff, right? There's not a whole lot going around. So you kind of have to look at guys that might be struggling guys that might need a change of scenery. Um, one guy in particular, if they're willing to eat most of the roster is a guy like Kenny Galladay. You take a shot on like I, he might be washed or he might just need to get out of New York. So if the giants are willing to eat money to just get him off their roster, it might be an opportunity for you to at least give him a shot because worst case scenario, then you just cut him. If they're a eating lot of them, money though, it's a lot yeah, but of if, money. If the giant, the giants are already in the hole for all the money anyways. Right. So if they feel like he is just not fitting into what they plan to do, Dayball just doesn't like it. Joe Shane just isn't, isn't a fan of what Galladay brings because he's not his signing. Maybe he just eats the money and dumps them as the giants prepare for future years. Mm -hmm. um, and, and they just get him out of the, get him out of the building. And if that's the case, that may be a guy you want to take a swing on. Now, I don't know that it's like, it's not going to solve all your problems. I don't even know that he'd stay on the roster, but it's at least a swing that you could take for cheap that you wouldn't be required to even give up a lot of capital or cap space. Probably, probably not. Let me ask you about another player. This, this guy popped up in the mentions via the poll this week. Do we know what's going on with LaVisca Chenault in Jacksonville? Um, so at last, I check, know Kirk's no. getting a lot of the love and as is, uh, Marvin Jones, uh, obviously Travis Etienne is going to get a lot of work, uh, uh, with handoffs and out of the backfield this year. I haven't heard much from him and I always thought he had more talent than he's been able to display. Now, obviously if you can't, you can't make the club if you're always in the tub, but I wonder if he'd be available on the cheap. 
Yeah, so I, I just don't I don't think yet because um, he was uh, the was it Trent Balky is the GM there in Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. He was a yeah. Trent Balky draft pick. I don't think Balky will give up on him quite yet, um, and they'll kind of try and work him into the rotation somehow. I think he's really talented. I, I think he should be on the depth chart ahead of Zay Jones. He's not at the moment. Right. Um, right. It's really like Kirk, Marvin Jones, Zay Jones, and then Lavishka Chenault. I also think Chenault's kind of like a weapon. He can be used in the return game and stuff like that. So it'll be interesting to see what they do there. I don't think he'll go on the trading block. I don't think he's in danger of getting cut just because he's still young and on that rookie contract. Um, what if Jalen not- Rager gets discarded from the Eagles? Do you take a flyer or if, I mean, like he's behind. <sighs> I mean, AJ Brown pushed everyone down when AJ Brown came to town and he's obviously, and they got Devonta Smith. So there's no need to entertain somebody else's pick at this point. Like Nick Saragusi, Serenietti, whatever his name is. Sirianni. Is that just, just, is is that like the perfect spot for just like a trash for trash trade where it's like, all right, we're going to give you Isaiah Wynn. You're going to send us back Jalen Rager in a pick. Like, is that kind of what you're looking at? Maybe you'd bills like, all right, I'll take the, fourth round pick and in a shot at a receiver. I know, you know, Wilkerson will probably get sent to the practice squad. Same with train Nixon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, and then Taekwon's going to start the season on uh, the injury report. So you then get it's someone else, a two month audition. Yeah. So you, you have an opportunity there to have Rager actually catch some footballs and kind of see if he has anything available to him. He was a first round pick. So it seems like a very Bel- Belichick move and he'd get him on the cheap. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't be shocked if something like that came across the table. I don't think it's, like super likely, I wouldn't say it's. I wouldn't say it's over a fifty percent chance of happening. But if it did happen, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, it'll be worth watching next week because by the time you listen to this podcast, the Patriots will have cut down to eighty players total. Oh, Dalton Keene season. It never materialized in Foxborough. What a shame, Rambo. What a mustachioed and short shorted shame. Next week, August thirtieth at four p.m. or by four p.m., the Patriots will be down to fifty-three players. So I have a question. I'm very for you, curious. By the way what the listeners think yes sir we're talking receivers how come mm-hmm. the patriots can't do what the steelers do because i don't know if you've seen george pickens at all this oh, kid can please. play this kid please. can play football. i got into and it over again, the weekend with andy i got into it over the weekend with andy about how hard of is course, it I don't belichick get it. had to draft the thinnest and fastest guy meanwhile the romeo dobbses and the george pickens of yeah, the world dobbs is, were dobbs all is out an there awesome. and they're bigger and they're like not quite as sexy in terms of like the elite downfield gazelle like speed but they can take a pop. This poor kid gets hit once in his clavicle shat, his clavicle fractures, and now he's going to miss two to three months. We won't see him again until everyone's already put their Halloween costumes away. I, it it and I, it frustrates the hell out of me. Pittsburgh, all they do is find wide receivers. Can't you pay them to pick one for you? I know right. that's illegal. I, but well, Kevin Colbert's time, stepping down, so can't you have him as like an advisor? Oh, and just be like, hey, just t- next year, point one, out a receiver, two. point out a receiver, not in the first round to me. Oh, and hearing that success. Khalil Shakir in the fourth round is tearing it up for Buffalo, a team that doesn't need a good fourth or fifth receiver in the first place, <laughs> because all the other guys like Crowder and Gabe Davis, my number one fantasy wide receiver, semi sleeper, and uh, Diggs are all just crushing up there, like. It's so frustrating. It's unbelievable. I don't, I don't know, man. It's it's a weird spot because it's like I see all these other teams having success drafting receivers and the Patriots just haven't. And it's it's upsetting. Mm-hmm. It is indeed. Well, uh, let's end that segment on a down note. Uh, <laughs> no Sorry. redemption, no hope there. No, I, I get it at the same time. It's it's worth 
it's it's worth at least wondering aloud, and it's worth keeping an eye on what the Patriots do next week on roster cut down day, and if they pull off any deals. If you have any thoughts or ideas, at Six Rings Pod, at Fitzy GFY, and at Shime Time, and please rate, review, and subscribe as well. Moving on to the final segment here of the midweek edition of Six Rings and Football Things during Patriots Raiders Joint Practices Week. Shime, I wanted to just take a quick look around the rest of the AFC East because we yes. had a very interesting. Game two, I won't call it week two, but second game of the 2022 preseason. There were some actually some really fun games, uh, some really big highlights, and a couple of players popped off the screen or the page or the phone for me. Uh, I'm coming off of also having not much more to do than watch a little bit of the Jets-Falcons game. Uh, Monday night. Now the Jets got the win, but the Falcons were My guy, Desi Ritter looking Dude, good. I got I got to tell you straight up. Now we'll get into as we talk a little bit about the Bills, the Dolphins and the Jets in a second. The first thing I wanted to say was Desmond Ritter is going to play football in the NFL for a while. That is as competent, prepared, smooth, fluid and professional looking a rookie. I don't care what it is. If it's the second half of a preseason game against the Jets in August, how smooth it, and he makes the right read. He throws a beautiful pass, tight ass windows, his too. RPO and his boots and his play action are like awesome. technical, technically yeah. sound. They're beautiful. Yep. I love this kid fell in love with him immediately. I think he's going to be around for a while. Mariota also looks good too. Arthur Smith has his guys. Watch the Falcons be the most entertaining seven and 10 team in NFL history this year. They no might, one's I mean, picking him. Pitts is it's stupid. Just He's he got he unlocked the he unlocked the cheat code like he he figured out the matrix at the end of last season. Yeah. Obviously, took care of himself this offseason because he look he is big is he and six, fast. Six, 245 and, and the guy moves like he, like he's Calvin Johnson. It's oh my stupid. god, he is going to be dynamite for a long time to come. Uh, but yeah, Desi Ridd can play the game. I love the that Jets. Game. So. The Jets, who you know, I was heaping all that praise on for an awesome draft this past season. And again, I do think they crushed the draft and they're helping their own cause for years to come. The Jets are still at least a year away. The Jets are still a work in progress. The offense is going to need some time to come together. Obviously, you're going to likely start the season with Joe Flacco. We'll see how long it takes. Little cutie pie, Zachy boy, the mama banger to come back. Cougar Hunter, Zach Wilson. Exactly. Uh, to come back, it could be week two, week three, because he's getting that little knee procedure, Dunsky. Uh, the Jets, offensively, it'll take a while. Their defense, still not there. You can no, attack a need- lot of holes on that Jets defense. Robert Sala needs at least one more year to get his guys in place. It ain't happening again. They were the worst defense last year in the NFL. They won't be the worst overall this year, but they're still not great. Yeah, they're going to be a bottom half of the league for sure, like a bottom quarter of the league for sure. I think that, I mean, those two picks that they made in Jermaine Johnson and uh, Sauce Gardner are going to be major players going forward. But this year, again, they're rookies. They're going to have mm-hmm. to adjust to the NFL game. Uh, you're going to kind of have to see that. Carl Lawson's fine. Quentin Williams is a good player. But outside of CJ Mosley's a pretty good player. But they outside picked of that, up Jordan Whitehead, who's pretty good playing safety, came in from Tampa. Like he's got guys, but they're they have all some not going to, but no, yeah, they're not just going to congeal so quickly. Carl Lawson come back from the Achilles. 
turning heads for all the right reasons in camp as well. Like there are yep. some guys there that are going to definitely make plays, but consistently, will they be a shutdown defense? No. I think, I think you're looking at the Jets similar to how you look at the Falcons, right? They have some pieces on offense that could be exciting if they kind of come together. And then the defense is just going to need a lot of work. Are there some pieces there to build around for the future? Sure. But right now that defense stinks out loud. The Miami Dolphins, uh, who are quarterbacked by somebody that I was told throws the most accurate ball in the NFL. Of course, that would be Beautiful. the unnecessarily hyperbolic praise heaped on to a tongue of Iloa. Of course, you could just say Tua. No one needs the last name because there's no one else named Tua. But that's all right. Be that as it may, as Tommy Curran likes to say. Mike McDaniel said he throws the best ball in the league. We've seen Not a couple true. of games where it is as untrue as untrue gets. Uh, it is as untrue as me saying, like, I'm going to stop this podcast soon and not have a beer. So I'm <laughs> the skinniest guy on radio. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, so I turned down the offer to play Fenway. So they went with Bill Burr on Sunday instead. These are all lies. Yes. So uh, but Imagine Dragons was a hell of a show. I, that's uh, what I heard. I heard it was yeah. a good time. Oh, just nothing but arena rock and stadium bangers. It was awesome. Love that. Um, so you described the Miami Dolphins with an offense that has been enhancified, if you will, with a lot of speed and receiver power during the offseason. They also fortified their offensive line and they have the new offensive Wunderkin at head coach and Mike McDaniel. You used this adjective to describe them heading into 2022. And that word is that would be frisky. Because mm, I think I do like it frisky. I think they should beat the bad teams. I, I think Miami's a good enough team here where they're going to beat the bad teams, um, and then they're going to be competitive at least against those upper echelon teams of the NFL. I just like I don't think they're going to get pumped by the Bills, um, but they may not win either game, right? They, but they'll be competitive. I, I think is kind of where I'm at with the mm -hmm. Dolphins. I like the way McDaniel's is come or McDaniel is coming in and kind of what he has planned for this. You heard Mike is sicky. I think it was over the weekend. Talk about how he wants to play as many reps as he can at tight end because he was so used to playing receiver basically because it was one of the few playmakers they had. Now he's mm -hmm. legitimately playing tight end. He's like, I need as many blocking reps as I can get. That's good news for the Miami Dolphins because that means Mike McDaniel has a plan. He knows exactly how he wants to utilize his weapons being guys like Mike Kosicki, Tyree kill Jalen Waddle. Uh, you had a lot of hype for Preston Williams last year prior to the season. He ended up getting hurt a little bit was slowed down. They also have Cedric Wilson who they got from the Cowboys. So this team has a lot of options on offense and a lot of opportunity here to have some success. And I think their defense improved as well. I think you see mm -hmm. a lot of young, good, talented players on defense. Uh, you saw that last year. I think that was one of the, the highlights of their uh, Wilkerson and Phillips have it. Wilkerson and Phillips preside, uh, excuse me, rather present two matchup nightmares with some, a nice mix of speed and power on the defensive line. And we already know that their secondary is one of the better ones in the AFC. So yeah, Xavier Howard, Byron Jones is, is a great pairing there. Mm -hmm. um, and then you have guys like Javon Holland and, and Byron or, and uh, Brandon Jones is the other safety yep. who I don't really yeah. know too, too much, but overall, I think this Miami team is pretty good. I, I don't, I, I just wouldn't sleep on them, right? I don't think mm -hmm. they're going to be barn burners. I don't think they're going to be 14 and three or, or, or even 12 and five or whatever the record. I could maybe is see 10 and seven out of the Dolphins. Though. I, could I could see, I could see 10 or 11 wins out of the Miami Dolphins and fighting for a playoff spot. That's kind of where I see them. If they're able to overcome what I believe is a very difficult schedule on the 2022 slate. And then of course we get to likely not just the cream of the AFC East crop, potentially the cream of the entire conference crop. That would be the Buffalo Bills. 
Nah, they There's don't have to something. circle the wagons anymore because you are the wagon. The bills they are, are set. The yeah, right. like uh, circle the wagons. I am the wagon. <laughs> the freaking bills, dude. The worst thing I did, I did this on the air with Andy over the weekend. We were talking Patriots. We just got the Tyquan Thornton news in. So I was feeling um, mildly despondent coming off of some of the positives from the Friday night slap and tickle against the Panthers. And then I checked Twitter and I watched that one Josh Allen series where he goes three for three for like 60 yards and a touchdown. He is set to, I'm sorry. Like I think the MVP race, unless, unless there is some sort of like, you know, catastrophic injury or something happens. Josh Allen is poised to pretty much run this town. I mean, there are, I mean, for, yeah. what was it? Yes. Did yes, we see 11 and a half was the win total over under for them? Like that's a yeah, joke. Like, it, that's it, a this, joke. This Bills team is going to win 13 plus games. They're this, easy in their sleep. This team is, you, you talk about them being a wagon. I just, it's hard to find holes and they cut the second punter. So now the punt God Matariza has officially secured the number one punt job there on t- which, which they're never going to have to utilize. You no. saw it already once in a preseason game. He like his first punt in a bills uniform, he went 82 yards, which is just stupid. But then just to top that your quarterback now can just, spin around in the pocket and do a 360 absolute blast of a bomb to the end zone to Gabe Davis. 45 for yards on a wire to Gabe Davis, who, by the way, said on the radio, I haven't been able to say it on the podcast. I think his ADP in fantasy leagues is 69. Uh, nice. nice. Yep. have to say it. It's uh, contractually prerequisite. Yep. Uh, now that we're past that obligation, I would just like to say, take him sooner. The guy, the guy that scored four awesome. touchdowns and had 201 receiving yards against the Kansas City Chiefs in the greatest divisional round game ever played. And Steph truly, had a, truly is going to just crush this year. And Steph Diggs kind of had a little bit of a step back year last year after, mm-hmm. after like blowing doors in his first year with uh, Buffalo. And so I kind of accept, expect him to kind of re-emerge back to normal and then right. and then on top of that because you Davis about- is gonna like because Davis is gonna keep defensive coordinators awake. All week yeah. long, prepping for him as well. That'll benefit Diggs as well. And then you talk about Isaiah McKenzie kind of being this frisky little player, as you Jameson mentioned earlier. Crowder. Yep, Khalil Shakir is there. And then on top of that, Dawson Knox is still on the roster. Who, we, who they now we're terribly have sorry to hear about everything that happened yes. in his family. Hopefully he can – hopefully uh, everything will – I mean, you don't even really know what to say. Hopefully he's able to return to football action whenever he can find his way to. But it's sad what happened. But still, that not, that has nothing to do with the man's talent on the field. Exactly. Then Devin then Singletary have, looked good they, last year. They had they James still have Cook. Howard at tight end as well. Yeah, they oh, drafted James geez. Cook. It's like this team is just – Crank a handful, to the a handful, and then that's that's only on the offensive side. Then you look at the defensive side, and they have like three first or second round picks on the defensive line that they drafted in the last few right. years, and guys like Greg Russo, AJ Epinesa, Boogie Basham. Then they signed Von Miller to this massive. Oh my god, deal. I forgot they had Oliver. You have Tremaine Edmonds. You have Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano at linebacker. You know the. You have Trey Davius White still. Jordan yeah, Porter. He's healthy. Ka- the best safety pairing in football. And then I on can't. top of that, like Kyir Elam. They're, they're, oh, they're that's right. Here. They Looks took awesome. the guy that something to be the second best awesome. corner of the draft class. They, they uh, don't have any holes in this team. They just don't. It's, it's I don't wild. see any holes on this team right now. And, you know, we can make all of our jokes like, I hope they just make Buffalo punt this year. Like, let's just like Andy, Andy said it best over the week. Yeah, go. Good luck. Uh, Andy said it best over the weekend. Don't. And I said, what do you mean? He's like, just don't. Don't try to compare your team 
be you Patriots or any other team, but especially local fans can't don't do like the division. Like there's no, comparison. anytime somebody calls into our radio station or crawls in the mentions or just gets silly someplace that they can be heard, seen or read saying, Oh, the Pats have a chance at the AFC East. Like if they <laughs> went, no, I'm not even going to play the, if they, no. the, if butts candies nuts game, no, just stop. Just hope your team a gets its act together. Yep. B can put forth a properly coordinated offensive attack and that the frisky defense holds up on the back end. If they can win more games than they lose and Mac Jones continues to show development and they doesn't suffer any second season regression from a lack of personnel injuries or this odd configuration of coordinators, coaches, etc., Those will be your wins this year for the new England Patriots as a football team. It is a different time in a different era right now. I am in the Goonies up there. It's Buffalo's time down here. It's max time. It's not quite time for the Patriots to be back where fans were used to having them for 20 years. And honestly, like divorce yourself of your enmity towards the Buffalo Bills. Just appreciate what a fun team they're probably going to be to watch and this season because I'm going to bet the farm on them against the Rams opening week. Get out of we, here. We love the Bills. And like if you look at the second half of their schedule, it's actually really easy. And so oh, like good. So they it's it's this weird. Yeah, exactly. So like it's. They're gonna they they face all the, like the tougher teams in the first half, right? They get the Rams, they get Baltimore, they get Kansas City. That's all pre buy. Then they hit the buy. Then they come with Green Bay out of the buy, which is fun. that's gonna be an awesome game. And then you're looking at Jets, Minnesota, Cleveland, Sans, Deshaun Watson, Ugh. Detroit, the Patriots, the Jets, the Dolphins, the Bears. Like that's eight straight wins that they could rattle off. They there could after the run buy. that table. That could be it's, like. That they should be in the who do you think you are? I am portion of yes. this. And it's like it, they could it's they could be three and three entering the bye and then be uh, 12 and 12 four and five, going into yeah. week 17 against right. the Cincinnati Easy. Bengals. Yep. Or whatever it is. Forget it. So it's like it is insane um what they're gonna be able to run off with their schedule on top of being good already. So same, it's same, yeah. so you you Andy's 100 right. You can't mm-hmm. compare just yourself don't. to this team because they're just in a different stratosphere. You just have to focus on what you're working on, and and hopefully that continues to improve. That's right. You heard it here first, folks, on a Patriot centric podcast from the original Foxborough fanboy himself. The Buffalo Bills don't need to circle the wagons anymore. They are the wagon. <laughs> for my guy at Shime Time for the at Jumbo Heart experience that is currently on FM radio and will be doing his time on the FMs all week. Your old pal at Fitzy GFY. This has been the latest and greatest edition of Six Rings and Football Things. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll talk to you again on Friday. The joint practices will be complete. We'll have a full-fledged Patriots Raiders preview for game three, the final game of the pretend football season. 2022 at six rings pod on the social six rings pod at gmail if you want to get in touch with comments concerns and so much more till we next speak good night god bless drink up and as always go pats